you see it on any team as well. You've always got like the captain or the, mm-hmm. the leader that kind of does take the lead, just like the Raptors have Kawhi Leonard right now that <laughs> he's burdening a lot of the load for them. And they always, my uncle was saying, why do they always pass to him? Everybody on the team's good enough to be a Raptor. Why can't they just shoot the ball? But they always pass it to him. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Flowcast. This is the podcast for information and inspiration on your journey to finding your flow. This week on the podcast, Telsey and I tell our origin stories about finding flow in our own lives, and hopefully this sheds some light on the tips and tricks and the process to finding flow and the things that you're passionate about so that you can find more deep meaning in your own life. And just before we get started, I wanted to make a quick point about a term that Telsey uses several times in this episode, which is imposter syndrome, just in case you're not familiar with what that is. It's a psychological pattern or concept in which you doubt your accomplishments or things that you are currently working on and you have this persistent pattern of internalizing fear of being exposed as a fraud of some sort. So you just don't feel worthy of the work that you're doing and the achievements that you are getting. This is a condition that's common in a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors, whether it's being a personal trainer, um, a lot of freelancers get this imposter syndrome where they just feel like a fraud. They feel like they aren't good enough to do the job that they are doing and, and maybe even setting the price that they're asking for their, their position as well. So this is the concept of imposter syndrome, and hopefully that helps you out a little bit more as we go through this podcast. We've made it to, I thought it was a a nice milestone, episode 11 um, of the Flowcast, and we are going to tell our own stories because it's been a little bit of a journey thus far in the podcast without actually giving like any backstory of our own about like why we got on this whole like flow flow kick in the first place so let's uh let's talk about our own journey into finding our flow today and i don't know do you want to go first or shall i go first Mm, i'm easy (laughs) So do you have a, do you have like a story to tell us about your journey or I can also get, I can get started Um, with it too. Yeah. I'll let you go first. Okay. I'll give a listen. It's a little more of a show and tell episode than, than (laughs) other ones where it's back and forth. I think, especially at least in the first part, once we get past the, the story, I think maybe we'll be able to branch off into like the, um, like you were thinking about maybe the the key points or the structures of mm-hmm. of what those components of flow that you've discovered are. So my journey, uh, 
really, I'd say got started around grade eight when I first fell in love with basketball. It was kind of the first point where everything kind of shifted in my life towards exercise and fitness and nutrition and playing basketball as part of that and just wanting to improve at playing basketball. So that's where kind of the first inkling, even even kind of the backstory to this whole business as well, I think originates kind of there with going from being like an overweight kid into losing like a lot of weight really quickly just because I was playing basketball nonstop uh, and found like quite a quite a bit of passion for that. And it just it evolved over a few years of wanting to learn more about my um, about like fitness, improving in fitness, and then just really like uh, discovering a passion for nutrition was was kind of the first step. And I think what you'll find a lot is my my flow my flow journey definitely revolves around like passion um, mm-hmm. as as being one of those critical components. And I know that that is one of the key pieces to um, really being deeply immersed in flow in in any sort of activity, um, but it's not always necessary. And so from there, I started studying like nutrition a lot and that essentially led me on the path towards several universities on t- in Ontario to choose from where that's when my, my sort of experience with flow really comes from a, I, I think like it, it starts out, kind of on the the um like intellectual pursuit of it or like mm-hmm. the uh bef- once I knew what it was everything sort of unlocked from there so yeah throughout throughout high school I was <clears throat> excuse me throughout high school I was studying like nutrition just on my own and that's what I wanted to go and do a lot of in in university and with that I was also very interested in um, doing like neuroscience or psychology mm-hmm. or something, studying the brain. And that's kind of the, that's where it led me towards the courses that actually were on things like positive psychology and, and mindfulness and meditation, where I first came about this, this term called flow. And I think simultaneously to that, I don't think I ever reached like a flow state playing basketball per se um something that's like an essential component to to like a flow state is is balancing that line between anxiety and boredom and i think especially in in high school basketball my state of anxiety like sort of the performance anxiety was too high so it always tipped Mm -hmm. the scales and i could never really get into like a a deep state of of um, high performance. I also think that perhaps it just wasn't enough years of practice to get to that point either, because there's also that component of constant growth and needing to reach a certain performance state before I think flow becomes a little more conducive in in whatever you're doing. So. Yeah, by the time I got to university, I I was still playing basketball, but not enjoying it as much just because with 
everything I was doing school wise, I only did like intramurals and it became really like frustrating to try to go from an organized basketball team into an intramural <laughs> team. And so I kind of fell out of favor with playing basketball and actually started uh, really getting into playing ultimate Frisbee uh, mm. because of, I guess the novelty of it is something, a sport that I never really seen before. And also like all of the friends, we, we started playing it together in, in year one and over the course of the four or five years that we were all um, like at school together, we kind of all grew simultaneously. And so it was kind of like this group, um, even like a group flow together, mm. which I thought was um, <clears throat> really cool and like valuable to see everybody growing uh, from like the constant improvement and the constant practice and, and progression over the years. So that was, if I look back at it, I think I was definitely into states of flow while playing like in, in ultimate Frisbee to in that game time state. Uh, I sort of, I, I just, I kind of grew out of like the, the anxiety behind it too, like that performance anxiety and just kind of learned, I think just over years of practice with like a sport setting after years of practice, I finally reached a point where it was no longer so anxiety inducing that I was able to kind of keep that balance between over overdoing it on the on the nervous scale and kind of using that anxiety more towards the the energy scale and, and fueling performance. And so that was like the first inkling, I'd say, and combining that with. It going into classes and learning about the flow state is where it kind of came together into understanding what this kind of peak performance was all about. Uh, so it, it became very fascinating to me and obviously like something that, that I think is a, another key component or just like a, just something that happens as a result of it is this flow is like a very addictive state to be in because it's like, it feels good to do well at things and it feels good to also be in that mindless that or that mindful slash mindless state of, of peak performance. So it, um, it kind of like constantly snowballs and grows from there. And essentially what I, what like it all leads to is, is competing in strongman. So it like, I, I through the background of, playing ultimate frisbee and also throughout university constantly just weight training uh building up strength it became the point where i wanted to i guess just test myself and i had the opportunity to go and compete in a strongman competition and that's where the the flow state really came out for the first time so i recall the first competition that i did in 2011 very vividly because like I said, looking back on it, I think there were some times during Ultimate Frisbee uh, games, especially in like the the uh, playoffs that I was in, like a there there be certain plays or whatever where you 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 can recall like you were in that sort of zone where everything gets like very uh, focused on the objective at at hand or the task at hand and it just, it kind of was amplified even further when it became this, this strongman competition where, um, 
basically the whistle goes to start the event and you don't become conscious again until the whistle or until you cross the finish line. Mm -hmm. So I, I recall just um, like with the farmer walk event that I did in 2011, it was an event that I'd never done before other than practicing with dumbbells in the gym, which is not an exact replica. It's a, it's a decent, like uh, I know, I know you train with training people. You've got, some people that will occasionally use the, the dumbbells for like a farmer's carry. Mm -hmm. and, and it's perfectly fine for like a, a training thing, but it's different than when the weight's like longer and swinging and you've got that balance aspect and all of that that comes into play with like an actual farmer's walk. And so it was like a totally different thing. Also way, well, it, it was definitely heavier than something that I'd ever done before for that event because I'd never done it before, but it was also performing in front of everybody that amplifies the sort of adrenaline rush that you get from it. And so I, you know, the, the whistle goes and as some athletes refer to like the flow state as being in the zone, everything just became like this tunnel vision into getting to the getting down the path and back, which I think it was like a hundred feet that we had to go for. And like, you don't hear anything mm -hmm. literally like you're, you don't, you can't hear anything. There, there could be like a crowd screaming around you and you don't hear it. And if anybody's like cheering your name, like you don't hear it. And you also don't even realize that there's anybody around you. Like it's just, it's just like this narrowing of the vision um, that becomes like the sole focus for those, even though it doesn't, most strongman events don't last that long, which is kind of why um, it, it intrigues me to, that athletes maybe get into like deeper states of flow for longer periods in different sort of events because strongman is very short lived. Like it's 60 to 90 seconds is the max that you're in like the flow state before mm -hmm. you don't really like stay in it while you're recovering between events and stuff. Um, and I think that's why it's kind of transferred over into other aspects of my life now is just because essentially flow is the meaning of life. Like it's, uh, it's creating meaning out of, whether you want to call it your passions or whatever you're doing flow is all about finding meaning and a deeper state of meaning by being completely enmeshed in whatever you're doing. So that's where, that's where it started for me and that's where it's evolved from. And I definitely just, I find that the, the sport examples of flow with, with having to have everything on the line and like, especially in a competition setting, it just like amplifies the effect that much more. So yeah, that's my, that's like my origin story of it. And that's also why I still stick with strongman. It's not even anything to do with um, like the accolades or like accomplishing anything. It's just like each time you go out, you have an opportunity to push yourself further for that growth and like that deeper state of flow. And that's like, that's what it's all about really. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to like add on to that at this point. No, it's neat to hear how it all connects. I like going back and saying like, how'd you get, how'd you get here mm -hmm. from there? So 
I guess just to kind of preface, we I've talked about it before, but I'm a movement junkie. And so I was thinking when you prompted this or the thought behind this conversation, I was thinking like, where did it all start? And I have definitely been a mover my whole life. And I'm going to give a shout out to my mama for that because she, uh, when I was quite young, she was teaching aerobics because that was the thing of the time. Um, and I remember there'd be nights where like, I just wish she would have stayed home. You know, my brother and I were <laughs> like four and five years old and mom's out teaching aerobics and moving and she's always going for walks and that kind of thing. So I've always been taught to move. So maybe it's a little bit of nurture, maybe a bit of nature. I don't know. Um, but I, I, and I don't know if I asked for this or if my mom chose to enroll me in it. I'm not sure, but I wanted to dance. So I got put in dance when I was five or six and the first endeavor was tap dancing cute little clicky clacky Telsey. And uh, I remember loving that, but I was very shy and tap dancing is very like flamboyant and (laughs) exciting that way. So it was okay, but it wasn't my favorite thing. And then there was a bit of trial and error with different dance genres that I was going in and out of. And then somebody had seen just the way that I move and the way that I kind of find enjoyment in moving my small little child body and and recommended that I should try gymnastics and that gave me a little bit of like a like that thrilling feeling where you're like ooh, that's a bit scary sounding but also very intriguing which is a key for my entire story is like that little bit of thrill seeking in a healthy way um and so I started doing gymnastics and I I think I started when I was eight And I went until I was 18. So gymnastics was like my groove for a while. And as I said, I was a really shy kid and really insecure as a preteen for sure. Um, But gymnastics was like my place. It was the one place that I didn't feel insecure and I didn't feel shy. I just loved the way that I could feel powerful and like bars were my favorite for a long time, just like swinging around in circles and being fearless about being upside down. And, um, it was a really safe space to be brave for me. And so I'd say if we're talking first flow experience, definitely in, in performing some gymnastics, um, cause that was the space where I felt bigger than myself. And then I'd come out of it and I'd feel insecure and shy again. And <laughs> we'd wait till the next performance. And my gymnastics career kind of, it, I did, um, I trained competitively, but I didn't compete because my mom didn't want me doing that. It came with a really intense diet. And as a mm-hmm. young child, she didn't want me restricting, um, which I appreciate. So it, it uh, started with that competitive training without competing. And then it just moved on. Um, that was in a town out of my tiny hometown and it was getting a little taxing. So we went and we did gymnastics in my hometown instead. And that was just floor routines. So it was more on the side of acro. So this merged my enjoyment of dance and gymnastics together. Cause it was like basically rhythmic gymnastics, if you will. And then we'd perform a show at the end and it was so much fun. And it kept me going until, like I said, I did that until I was 18. Um, pretty much just, they kicked me out at <laughs> some point cause I was too old. So that was my first little taste of flow we'll say and and first movement endeavor was gymnastics and then while I was in I think it was just in grade nine I started running 
because that's all I knew to do. Mm. If you don't have any equipment, but you've got a pair of shoes, you can run. And so um, I was craving, I was only doing gymnastics once a week at this point. So I was craving some movement during the week. And I'm not a sporty person. I, I've never been good with organized sports. It just doesn't work for me. Um, and I'm just not drawn to it. It's not fun. So running felt right. And I started doing that and I got really good at it. And it was interesting. It kind of turned into a little bit of a, a negative for me. It, it turned into a bit of a, um, a, I'd say like a running addiction at some point because I was chasing that endorphin high for so long that it became part of my regular routine. And so those four years of high school, if I didn't run at least eight to 10 kilometers a day, I would get mad at myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. And which is crazy to think about now as a person who does not run <laughs> anymore. I was like, that's insane. Um, but I think that's kind of the danger of finding passion in something is that you can make it unhealthy if you're not careful, depending on what kind of energy you put into it. Um, so that's kind of my my little sob story is I, I became really um, – deeply involved in running and it definitely snowballed into a bit of disordered eating as well because that just became just chasing those thrills of like feeling something mm -hmm. feeling hungry was exciting to me at the time so I just would chase how long I could feel hungry for and um, thus then created some blood sugar issues in my <laughs> in my present but anyway um, that I paid attention to what these little triggers were and that's one of my big things for finding flow is, is paying attention to the details and what's pulling you. And even though this, this passion of mine kind of manifested in a way that was a little bit harmful to me, there was still a lot of merit to it. Like there was something about nutrition I was drawn to and that I became obsessed with food and the way it manifested was not eating it, but researching it a lot mm -hmm. and then movement running. So I paid attention to that. And in high school, I took all kinds of like foods and nutrition courses. I took as many as I could. And uh, I just loved it. I would read nutrition books just for fun. Mm -hmm. um, and there was some element of wellness that I was attracted to, movement and food and that kind of thing. But I didn't put that piece together yet. And uh, so before every May 2-4 weekend in my hometown, there is an 8K race and a 16-kilometer race. And I had done the 8K twice, and I told myself before I leave for university, I'm going to do that 16K race. And uh, I pride myself in being a woman of my word. You can listen to the last podcast on integrity to hear more about that. Um, so I actually started to get kind of scared because I was like, I said I was going to do this, and I told people I was going to do this, and now it's come up. So I got to do this. And the longest I had ran... Uh, before that was, I think, 12 or 14 kilometers. Like I had never done 16 kilometers until that day. Mm -hmm. But I said I was going to do it. So let's jump into it. So running this race um, and I think it was around the 11th kilometer that I'd say I started to kind of wear thin. Um, I was tired. 11 kilometers <laughs> a long distance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My legs aren't that long. It was a lot of moving. And uh, I would say before that, I definitely got into some flow state. You get into the zone when you're running long distance and your body just keeps moving and yep. you don't know how you ended up where you are until you get to the 11th kilometer and you're like, here I am. And there's still a lot more to go. <laughs> and uh, I always tell this story because it's it's really impacted the way that I think about life. Um, but there is this guy who was running quite close to me the whole time and he 
kilometer 11 was just, I think, his kind of stopping point, too. Like, we were both pretty tired. And so he caught up to me. He was just a couple meters behind me. and was like, hey, we've kind of been chasing each other this whole race, and I'm struggling. Do you mind if we run together? And I was like, oh, thank God, yes. <laughs> like, I need some someone to push me right now. And so we got chatting, which made the last 5K go really smoothly, besides talking while running, but it at least distracted me. And we had a really interesting conversation. So he was in his, I think, mid fifties and I was 17. Um, so he was just asking me small talky questions, as much as you can talk about while you're huffing and puffing. And he was asking me what I was doing. And I said, I'm going away to university. I was going to Laurier at the time, um, for health sciences and, he was like, oh, like, why did you choose health sciences? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm good. at I like chemistry and I'm good at math and I like biology. So these are all going to be I'm going to be good at it. I like that was the only reason I went into it. And uh, and he said, that's interesting. And then I was like, did you go to university? And he told me he did. And he said um, he studied geography in his undergraduate. And I in my kind of narrow mind at the time was like, oh, that's so cool. So what are you doing in the field of geography right now? Because in my mind, you go to university and you work in that field. When mm. I'm 17, that's what you think, right? And he's like, oh, nothing. I'm a cop. And I was like, what? <laughs> that blew my mind at 17. I was like, you can go to university for geography and then become a cop? Okay, interesting. And then he said these words that have stuck with me forever. Nothing is as permanent as you think it is. And that really unlocked a lot for me. And it kind of gave me this new understanding that I'm a lot more free than I realize because I I am definitely a logical thinker not so much the, the artistic side and so in my mind everything's kind of linear and you do this and then you achieve this result and the more I live life the more I realize that's not the case and the more you get into flow you realize that's not the case like things kind of meander and and you're better off to follow them than to resist and so uh that was a really impactful conversation. And then we finished the race and we both beat the times that we were expecting. So it was really nice. And uh, then I jump off to university and I'm studying health sciences at Laurier and I am so miserable. <laughs> I hated it. I, I remember the first couple days um, <clears throat> I was in an all girls dorm and the girls were asking me, there's a couple girls in health sciences there. Oh, like, so you want to be a doctor? Like what med school do you want to go to? And I kid you not, up until that point, I had not even considered, like, I didn't even connect those dots that health science is just as automatic, you know, ticket to med school. It is, but I just didn't even think about that as an option. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to go to med school. <laughs> and they were all just kind of like, well, then what are you doing? And I had this, I didn't know what I was doing. I was like, I don't know. I'm, like, good at it. So I'm here. And... So then I just, I, I kind of embarked on, you know, the first of many quarter life crisis, crises. <laughs> and um, I just started paying attention to what I actually did enjoy. And as much as I'd love to say it was math, because that's what I enjoyed in high school, it was not math in university. That was not fun. Um, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. Numbers turn to letters and then letters <laughs> turn to squiggles. And then I just get confused and none of it makes sense anymore. <laughs> but um, what I did really enjoy was introductory psych because everyone had to take that in, in um, health sciences and many bachelor's degrees in general have to take psych. So 
that was an interesting thing to me. So after my first year, I did some just kind of critical thinking over that year and realized I didn't want to go to med school. I don't really know what I want to do with anything. I just know that I'm going to keep trucking along with this. So I switched my major into psychology. And that's when things started to open up for me in university. It became a lot more exciting. And I actually enjoyed the courses I was going to. But curveball, in my little, we'll call it that crisis, the quarter life crisis, I had enrolled in, uh, I just applied to a school for homeopathic medicine um, as a, almost an escape route, but also I had grown up uh, like going to see a homeopath. And so that was something familiar to me. And uh, my mom's always been on the side of holistic wellness. So that felt more comfortable to me than uh, this like westernized version of medicine I had been learning in health sciences. So after my first semester as a psych major in my second year of university, I got a call that I was accepted into this homeopathic school. And that felt like a really shiny, pretty thing. So I did some thinking. I had to do quick thinking because they were like, and you can start in two weeks if you want. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so this would have been in December of 2012. And then I started in uh, January 2013 in homeopathy. And they asked if I wanted to do a fast track program just to get it done sooner, um, which is what I did. So I ended up getting the three year diploma in two years. Um, so yeah, that that felt good. So I jumped across to Toronto. I was living in Waterloo at the time and started studying homeopathic medicine. And that was one of the first times in the school environment that I really felt like I had a voice and I belonged. Mm -hmm. I wasn't scared of being in these big groups. And I, it was something that was kind of familiar to me, but also really intriguing and exciting. And it was all these people that were interested in wellness. And I really liked that. So that was a really good experience. Did I want to practice homeopathy coming out of it? No, <laughs> but... I really am grateful for it and it's it's played a role in where I am today. And so we had to do a, um, I don't even know what we called it anymore, like a practicum, but not externship. There we go. That's the word. So I had to take on um, patients and under supervision of another homeopath and uh, like just remedy them and, and hear them out. And it was interesting kind of comparing stories of my patients to my colleagues' patients and and what kind of ailments were coming up. And I was hearing a lot from other people. They were getting, like, children with chicken pox and people with eczema and a lot of, like, cold and flu cases and things like that. And I had never gotten anything superficial. Like, my every single one of my clients is mental health-based. And I didn't ask for that. That's just what came to me which is something to pay attention to. <laughs> um, so I had a couple bipolar cases. I had a PTSD case that was like, whoa, that was overwhelming. Um, I had a lot of depression, a lot of burnout, uh, that kind of thing, and, that, and a lot of anxiety. So I was managing people with all of these mental health issues. And it was really interesting to me because the part of homeopathy that I enjoyed had nothing to do with administering any sort of remedy. It was just um, talking to these people about what was going on and just kind of giving them an ear to listen to you or an ear to listen to. That's good. I eh? giving mm -hmm. them an ear to <laughs> be heard. <laughs> um, yeah. So I came out of homeopathy school and I kind of felt because it was so fast paced, it was one of those things where I just felt like I was shot out of a thing and then was dizzy and was like, well, what do I do now? And I had this deep urge to become a personal trainer 
And I had had this urge going back ever since I was 12 years old. My mom and I would watch The Biggest Loser. We loved that show. That was like some people sit down and watch Survivor on Thursday nights. We watch Biggest Loser. Like, that was our thing. And I wanted to be Jillian Michaels um, <laughs> when I was 12. Different story now. And uh, so I had always promised myself back then, like, if I have the opportunity, I'm going to do it. And this kind of being spit out of homeopathy school and not knowing what I wanted to do with it, I was like, well, why don't we try becoming a personal trainer? So there's a lot of trying in my in my path here. <laughs> and that was the first time I felt a little bit of imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, I had been working out and like doing my thing on my own for a very long time and doing lots of at-home workouts and whatever. But uh, the idea of training someone else in a gym setting, I was like, whoa, that's that's bigger than me. Right. Um, but it wasn't too big to scare me off. So I was like, I'm going to take the course. Uh, I'm going to do it. And then let's jump into it. So 2015, I think it was in October, I took the course. And I realized that I really fit in with the group of people that I was with. And that felt really good. So I, uh, I ended up, I was living in Toronto at the time. I ended up moving back closer to my hometown. So I moved back to London area and got a job at, uh, I think first it was Planet Fitness, which they didn't actually have any formal personal training, so it didn't quite fit what I was looking for. So I ended up getting employed with Good Life, and uh, it just was easy. Like this was like life flow state in general. Like it, it just people. I was getting all these like incentives and rewards for getting so many clients so quickly, and everyone was like, "What's your secret? Like, are you doing all the steps that Good Life tells you to do?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> I'm just being here." Um, and I think that's the really cool thing about flow state is that once you're in it there's not a lot of trying there's just a lot of doing mm -hmm. and so I was just clients would come to me and I, I had a full client base in like a matter of six weeks which is unheard of in the good life world usually people say it takes like a good three to six months to get there somehow I did though and it felt really cool and uh, it was an honor to you know train all these people and they all trusted me and I Apparently I was doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, from there, I again, I just took a minute to appreciate all my clients and analyze what they were here for. And I, I had maybe 10% of my clients were like weight loss or this, you know, I've got a wedding coming up and I want to trim down and blah, blah, blah. But the majority of them were because they were burnt out and they needed to take care of themselves or they were depressed and they were trying to find some sort of upper in life or just like a lot of mental health cases again. And it was interesting that I, I've kind of been playing with and flirting with this idea of movement and mental health back and forth, like ping ponging my whole life really. And, uh, that was, you know, something that I was just like weird, but cool. And it took me a couple of years of personal training to be like, okay, mental health is something that I need to get into. It's a realm that I need to do. And uh, so I decided that I'm going to go back and finish this degree that I had started at Laurier. Enter now. <laughs> so I decided to come uh, finish my degree at Trent. There was something about Peterborough that called me. And um, so I came up here and really fell in love with this area like it was what I was looking for it was one of those like welcome home kind of things where it's like 
all this lush greenery and the rolling hills. Like you don't get that in southwestern Ontario. It's flat. It's boring. It's farmer's fields. And it just wasn't exciting to me. Um, really loved being around the Canadian Shield. That's something that's always called me. So cool to be here. And now I've been work or studying my I'm almost done my psych degree, which is very exciting. Yeah. I've been doing straight semesters from it was May 2016 until now. So <laughs> it's been I think uh, that would make it like five semesters, I think. Is that is that proper math? Six semesters um, total to get this degree finished. So mm-hmm. um, very exciting. Do you want me to? keep going just to where I am now since that's apparently where I'm headed or yeah yeah okay cool so I had been working in a coffee shop downtown while I was in school here just to supplement some income and coffee was something that I've got experience in from living in Toronto so it was an easy job but it wasn't an exciting job it was just a job and uh, at one point my now boss and gym owner um, came into the gym and he was telling me it, he was a trainer at Good Life and, and him and his buddy were thinking about buying a gym downtown. And um, this conversation intrigued me. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I used to be a trainer for Good Life too. Totally understand where you're coming from. And uh, it was just something that I filed in the back of my brain that uh, – okay, this guy's going to work at a gym downtown. And, and we added each other on Facebook, as you do. It's like the millennial handshake. <laughs> and, and I just backpocketed that for a year. And then come to the end of my my rope with working in coffee, just wasn't feeling fulfilled from it. I was like, I think I need to get back into training because I miss it. And it's just not the same. for Like, I love training. I love working out myself too, but it's just a different feeling Um my passion for personal training. Mm. And so I reached out to him and I was like, do you by chance have any job openings? And at the time they had just had an opening for the front desk position and there was conversation about training. So I had applied to that. Uh, We had interviews and I didn't hear back for a long time. Little did I know it was you who got the position. (laughs) Stole your job. Yeah, RJ stole my job. It's okay, I got it back. Um, And then months down the line, they reached out to me asking if I could help with an event, um, which is actually where RJ and I met. We Mm -hmm. ran an event downtown Peterborough together uh, when he worked for the gym and I was just there to represent and help out. And uh, yeah, so I'm at the gym now. It's been almost a year and I'm at pretty deep in personal training there. And it's been a lot of fun integrating kind of my knowledge of wellness in with personal training now that I've got kind of my my holistic wellness with homeopathy and this this mental health picture and then my own kind of excitement and, and nerdiness with like meditation and breath work and that kind of stuff. So I've really been able to thrive there just with the amount of freedom that I've got um, to guide my clients towards wellness as opposed to just strict training, which has really, really been exciting. Yeah. And uh, I would definitely say not to get like mushy gushy, but like you're a huge part of my flow in Peterborough, RJ, which is really exciting. I'd say that some of the conversations like we would talk for like two hours post RJ's workout while I was still working the front desk or something Yeah. Um, about all these exciting just mental health things and books we've read and, and these concepts of even just flow we talked about for mm-hmm. a, a lot and growth mindset and those kind of things. 
and that slowly evolved into this. Hello, everyone. Here we are. A podcast where we can <laughs> yeah, share it all. Yeah, we can share it all, which is cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Figured someone might want to hear us ramble for a long time because <laughs> uh, it's what we do anyway. And uh, yeah, so it's been really neat. I, I don't know exactly where I want to cap this, but um, I will say putting all that together not long ago, I started to kind of feel an itch like, okay, I've been finding my groove, my zone, my flow and all this stuff. Like training's been going really well. My psych degree's coming to a close. Um, I've been really enjoying what I've been able to teach my clients, but I'm ready for that next level. Like it's, you get that hunger when you're in the flow zone of just like, okay, I did that. Yep. But we got to keep moving forward. Um, This need for growth. And so I had been toying with the idea of... um, this, this workout modality or fitness modality called animal flow for a long time. I had heard of it in, I'm going to say in 2016 and it wasn't until recently that I've just gotten into it, but I've just been watching people do it. And it's this really cool, like body weight, strength training, almost like a martial art, like the way that you flow it all together and have to control yourself, but also have power and agility together. Um, And I found it really beautiful and it's intriguing to me with my gymnastics past of just having to use your body to control yourself into various positions and shapes. And so I had done some research and found out that there's a certification happening in, uh, well, May, Mm -hmm. this month, last week. (laughs) And uh, so I I bit the bullet and I was like, I'm going to do it. And again, just like my 16K race, I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. And there was all this talk in my head back and forth of just like, it's one of those things that seems a little bit too big for me right now and that imposter syndrome. And it's a clearly a growth opportunity because I was a little bit scared of it, which means it was bigger than me. But that doesn't mean I'm not capable of it. And so, yeah, having all this back and forth talk and I was like, well, maybe I don't I don't know if I can afford this. Like I'm a student, so putting out 700 bucks for a course is a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. So I bought the course because I had, you know, I had enough money to do it. I was just making excuses. And then it came up last week, Thursday and Friday, and it was so much fun. We did two days of just like all, all these different postures, and then we learned how to flow them together. And now I'm in the midst of finishing the certification process And I just, I feel like I found a piece of myself and a piece of my like personal gym identity that was missing or that I was dabbling with, but didn't have an identity for yet. And this really filled that. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So if you're, if you're ever at house fitness, you'll see me kind of ninjaing around on the floor and (laughs) uh, it's been a lot of fun. So anyone listening, stay tuned. There's definitely gonna be some workshops coming up with animal flow. But yeah, I would say animal flow is definitely a part of my flow right now, which is cool that the word flow is in it because it's almost a metaphor. Yeah. Do you think that it's intentional? The word flow in there? In in there? Yeah. I don't, I should read up on that because I don't know if it's. Because there's, I think there's definitely, um, there's definitely similarities between what most people think of flow being like water flowing, Mm -hmm. like kind of just everything very smooth and and downstream there's there's similarities but i also think there's differences between that and what flow state actually mm-hmm. means and i it, it's it, it makes sense that that's the term that 
that uh, Chick sent me high used when he coined this this or labeled this psychological state, but it's also it's not exactly the same because like I don't personally believe that the so the so called going with the flow kind of idea mm-hmm. applies to the flow state. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I think going with the flow is a little bit directionless. Yeah. And and it, you're a little bit, for lack of a better word, kind of flaccid. Like you're just letting the breeze blow you around and and that that's a little bit you know clumsy but yeah i would say animal flow is a really cool metaphor with that because you Uh are employing strength and it's deliberate strategy and control and like you said there's a lot of progression to yep it as well big time yeah yeah and uh that's kind of how i see flow state i was actually out in the woods yesterday and i was pondering all this stuff and looking at a stream that was flowing. And I noticed that the more I pay attention to water, the more I'm like, it's not easy to flow necessarily. Like it's not this effortless, you know, like I said, go with the flow, that kind of thing. There's, there's all this tall grass and there's big clunky rocks at the bottom and, and this water finds its way through strength and power. And that's a, that's how I feel animal flow is but that's also how i feel the flow state is is that you have this strength that you've built up over time like mastering your craft and and then there's this like i don't know it's that one moment where you get to employ this strength but also this ease Mm -hmm. that comes together and and that's where you find that zone yeah totally yeah yeah so that's my that's my little origin story sort of (laughs) and that's how at least i've gotten to this point and paid attention to all the little details that have led me here. And it's, it's cool to see, I'd say I'm just, just now getting into this state of flow with my career and it's getting really exciting and who knows where it's going to go. Cool. But, uh, yeah. Do you, do you recall, I remember the first time we ever talked about flow, like Mm. the flow state. Um, it didn't surprise you. Like, so do you recall when you first learned about it? Because yeah. not ever, like, I, I, most people don't know what it is. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I had learned about it actually probably just a couple months before we had that conversation, which is timely and interesting, in a course called Motivation and Emotion. So it was a little bit more on the progressive side of psychology. And yep. um, I really enjoyed that because it was less like, you know, I don't know, the Milgram studies are just these like black and white videos that you're watching and actually very applicable to everyday life. And we mm-hmm. were talking about um, just what makes a person tick and what makes you motivated and and how you navigate yourself through life with that. And we talked about growth mindset versus fixed mindset and all these different things that are, you know, all the all the I don't know, guruy authors are writing about right sure. now is all that stuff. And so yeah. we touched on flow state. It was just a little dip your toes thing. Um but what we talked about, yeah, was like you combine all these things together and all these like positive psychology things. And and the goal is to achieve what's called flow. Right. There was one class we talked about it. But I remember being like, huh, this sounds less sciencey and more like something I'd read in a good book. But I like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not to say it's not sciencey because that's far from true. But it just it felt more like a self-help book than a class, which was really fun. Yeah, totally. It's like, I, really I don't know, it's that. kind of the... It, it is the scientific embodiment of that self-help stuff. Yeah. It's like same, exact same sort of situation for me. It was 
in the positive psychology course that I took. Uh, I'm pretty sure, although we at the same time, I was also doing several on like Buddhism and mindfulness and meditation. So they, they kind of all combined together in my memory, but it was in one of those, those courses. There was two, <coughs> excuse me, two notable professors who, who talked about these sorts of positive psych concepts. Yeah, it's cool. It's very refreshing coming from like psych is the first bits of psych have been a lot of um, theory and history and all these old school things that we've been doing and just studies of putting things in people's brains and figuring out how they tick. And now it's all of a sudden this real world application of like, yeah, yeah, flow, growth mindset, that kind of thing. More meaning. Yeah. 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 Another one other thing that I, I wanted to add in that going way back to almost the start of your your origin story, which I didn't really mention, but coming back to it, I should have mentioned because it, it, it is so, something that stands out to me. Mm. You were talking about the uh, like the individual pursuit of performance in with with gymnastics and stuff and not mm. being like a sport uh, like a sports team minded person yeah and i think that's also a critical component to me finding a deeper flow state with strongman as well yeah because it's like everything rests on your shoulders there and it sometimes felt like that i think um as the team leader for ultimate frisbee and that's where i kind of started to find my flow with that was when i became like the leader of the team and got like this captain role and was able to uh sort of become deeply immersed that way through being like the captain and kind of burdening some of the load for the other players on the team. Um, just because the way I, I, I suppose the way I work, that's not always the way it should work with, with a sports team. It needs to be a little more, um, collaborative, but there's always like the, you, you see it on any team as well. You've always got like the captain or the, Mm -hmm. the leader that kind of does take the lead just like, the Raptors have Kawhi Leonard right now that <laughs> he's burdening a lot of the load for them. And they always, my uncle was saying, why do they always pass to him? Everybody on the team's good enough to be a Raptor. Why can't they just shoot the ball? But they always pass it to him. So it's, <laughs> it's, um, that's, that's where, yeah, being introverted and, and leading towards mm-hmm. like an individual pursuit of, of sports performance just enhanced that experience for me as well. Yeah, I think ultimately with flow, like getting in the flow state, there is a huge element of taking charge of yourself. Totally. Like being in charge of yourself and and your direction and that kind of thing as opposed to going with the flow is more that group mentality of, of, you know, they're doing it so, so will I. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you can find your flow out of that, find your passions out of what, you know, your your group of people. And I don't know, there's a reflection of yourself in there for sure. But if you really want to go places, you you got to tighten your bootstraps and take charge of yourself. And I think that maybe we're lucky that we found it so young and so early on, or maybe it's just part of being an introvert. I don't know. Yeah. But definitely part of flow. Yeah. And uh, actually there, there is, there is research or there is, um, there is this different thing known as group flow as well, which mm. is another studied aspect of flow and how, in like a group setting, there can be kind of this collaborative like enmeshment, especially with things like jazz music. Um, mm. You know, usually the one musician goes off 
and gets into his own flow state with with like a like the solo or whatever that he's doing but there is that like group flow that comes together with things like that as well cool so we've told our stories that's cool hopefully someone cares about that (laughs) but what are some like some things that you've learned along your journey and your um kind of journey towards flow that you would say are little tips and tricks to get there or to start something off so actionable points for finding flow it, that's you know one of the reasons behind flow spa and one of the reasons behind what we're doing with the flow cast and everything is to help bring this education to the term flow mm-hmm. to knowing what it is to recognizing it because i think that recognition is kind of the starting point and just learning about the term like you said uh it, it, it's kind of it's there's a lot of retrospective mm-hmm. and and like being very introspective about your past experiences that comes into play into putting together those building blocks into where your flow actually lies. Um, Definitely like passion as I kind of started out with is something that's important. And, and now hearing more of your story, it's the same thing. It's Mm -hmm. passions there. Um, Or, or just the thing that you like just become deeply enmeshed in. Sometimes people don't like the word passion. Um, especially as like a lot of these like um like career gurus these days say that you should follow your passion and then there's the others on the opposite side of it saying that you shouldn't listen to that advice because you can find deep meaning in work and actually in the book flow he does talk about that as well it's not always about passion but just becoming very proficient at something so that you actually are reading reaching a flow state like you might not be passionate about um he uses he uses an example of like assembly workers and kind of putting together the pieces of let's say it's a car and you're assembling like the nuts and bolts for a single like piece of the car and it's it's not like exciting it's probably not something you're going to be passionate about but you can actually reach a flow state with that work and find even more meaning in that than in your like day-to-day life just by being trying to do it faster but with more proficiency like trying to do it as Mm. perfectly as possible so it's um it's about definitely it's just about constant improvement so i'd say we'd we probably need like another episode to actually break down Mm -hmm. like some more actionable advice but to keep it short and sweet um find just just take some time to think about the things you're passionate about the things that you that you're proficient at too the things that you're just like, whether you think that you're world-class at it or what are you just really good at, whether it's in your job or in your everyday life and just try to do it a little bit better each day. Mm-hmm. It's like this idea of the 1% better. It's very easy. Just ask yourself, how can I do this 1% better each day? And that's deliberate practice. That's constant improvement, which are both critical components to the flow state mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and finding like that deep presence in the moment. Um, so I just say start with that and kind of recognize when you're in flow. So it's that sense of timelessness or effortlessness. So you lose track of time. What things are you losing track of time with in your day? Mm-hmm. What things just feel very easy, even though they might not be super easy, like you talked about a lot of, mm-hmm. and and just start recognizing it more. Yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. Anything else for you to add? Yeah, I mean, I'd say first off, take the pressure off of needing to find this flow because ultimately I think that flow finds you if you pay attention. Um, So that's what I would say for sure, just as you said, recognize. Like pay attention to what just lights you up a little bit and pay attention to the things that you're a little bit scared of in a good way. This like healthy fear of just, oh, I'm not good enough for that. Pay attention to that because that's there's a lot of merit in that thing that is calling you and you need to go chase that. And then something I always talk about just kind of in your to rhyme off the, the passion conversation is what are you willing to dedicate yourself towards? Because I really do believe that motivation or passion, whatever you want to call it, fizzles over time mm-hmm. um, because it's this like higher frequency emotional state. And then all of a sudden, like we, we got to come back down to some sort of homeostasis and um, motivation is temporary, but I do believe dedication is long lasting. So what are you willing to, to dedicate yourself with or to, sorry. Um, and what are you willing to go through the ups and downs for? Pay attention to those things because that's, that's where your flow lies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, just pay attention. That's what I would say. Very cool. Awesome. So let's, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up for today. There's lots more we can go into, but that's what another day yep. is for. Awesome. So. Well, thanks to whoever's been listening to our stories. That's really special to be able to share that. And thanks, RJ, for sharing yours. Yes, thank you. I I appreciated learning more about your story as well. And I didn't know a lot of that. I really loved that uh, that. 16 kilometer run story so that's yeah that's great and uh no i think i think people will get a lot out of origin stories i think i don't know it's it's always nice to hear yeah uh, where where people are coming from totally on their paths yeah yeah so cool thank you and we'll uh i think we'll be back again next week for yeah. another episode so yeah. keeping this uh train rolling awesome Thank you for listening to this episode of the Flowcast. If you like listening to this podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast platform. Be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating as it'll help to spread the word to more people who might want to find this podcast and the information we have to share. Feel free to send us your questions on social media or through email. Any questions you may have, we'll be happy to answer. We are putting together different Q&A episodes, and so it helps to get a stockpile of questions that we can kind of compile into their different categories. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.